Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today as usual. We have our evening with medium events coming up on December 14th, which we are already sold out for, so thank you to everyone for that. And if you wanted to get an evening in before the end of the year, we still have tickets on sale for our October 12th event at the Sturgeon Riverhouse Museum. Tickets are only available at the museum or I believe through their community center. You can check them out on Facebook or give them a call to purchase tickets for that. And you can stay tuned for next Saturday when we announce our 2019 dates and how you can acquire tickets for those. Sips of Sanity is another podcast series that Kelly and I have that are 10-minute shows. There are five of them. They run the first week of every month. And those shows have a theme. So you will learn about emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence, which will give you loads of tools so that you can develop your own toolkit to get through life. And last but not least, we have personal sessions and gift certificates available. You can purchase them and experience them anywhere in the world. Kelly, you had an amazing experience with mere touch synesthesia in a personal session with one of your clients recently. And I know that mere touch synesthesia on its own is a huge topic, but I thought this one would be wonderful for people to listen to so that they can understand what it does for you, how you went through it, and what it can do for the client. So do you want to start by explaining a little bit about how it began at the beginning of the session. One of them was about a stroke and one of them was about an overdose. Two separate clients, two separate sessions. So can we begin with the one that you experienced that was the stroke and just start by telling us what happened in that session? Yeah, yeah. She was someone who was present at our Evening with Medium events in August And she's a longtime client who I've really, really enjoyed. She's very respectful, very open to all of the gifts. And she had come up to me and told me on a human level, which we always like to point out, that she had suffered from two strokes. And she said, I would really like to come and see you for a personal session so that we can discuss more of it. So very shortly after the event, I think very next week, she came for her personal session And when she sat down, I acknowledged that I had remembered, because we don't have the best memory, that she had told me about the stroke. And I said, would you like your husband to channel the information so that we can be walked through the experience? Her husband is dead. He is. So that channeling means that you're going to speak to her husband who's passed away and give her the information that he knows. Yeah. Okay. And it was unbelievable. A ton of things happened through this experience, and as you know, they all happen all at once. So I'm going to do my best to sort of talk about them orderly, even though it's all happening simultaneously. So her husband, who I will call Tony, just said, Kelly, I'm going to walk you through the stroke. And I point that out because he prepped me. He didn't just give me the symptoms. I didn't just start getting them before she walked in because that does happen often and we usually feel like we have to cancel the session, like we're not going to get through it because we don't often know that it's the client that's walking through the door, right? So for me, this was a really nice gift that he just decided to give it to me while she was in the room. Do you have a choice? No. And he, But he gives you a little bit of time and this is unusual because you don't always get that gift of do you want it or not which is why I called it a gift yes all right from him to me 
And so he said, let us begin. We're going to, I'm going to walk you through this entire process. So you know that you're going to feel a stroke without actually having one yourself. Yes. And you're saying yes, because you're going to be able to help your client. Yes. Well, I just, that's, that's extraordinary. Mm -hmm. I, I don't just think that's unbelievable. I think that's extraordinary. Oh, thank you. I, I don't know many people who would even say they would take being pinched for somebody else, let alone mm. experience a stroke. Okay. Yeah. And she sat back and she just said, yes, please. Thank you. And sh she knows that you're doing this on her behalf mm -hmm. to help her. Yeah. Okay. And she's just so calm and so loving because she now knows I'm going to do what she did. And she just sat patiently so I could experience it safely. Wow. So she's going to sit in front of you while you go through all of her symptoms. That's Which, a big thing. Yes, because that could be extremely traumatic post-experience for her. Yeah. To know that someone else is going to have what she had. Well, hold up too, Kelly. Like, is she sitting there with her cell phone thinking, do I call 911? No, she sits in total trust and calmness, just waiting for the process to happen. Huh. I, and that's one of the reasons I just love her. Yeah. Well, so, she's extraordinary too. Yes. Okay. So the first thing that happened was I started to get very dizzy. And I felt pretty disoriented to the point where I saw my right arm reach out in front of me. You're sitting, Kelly? I'm sitting. Thank but you. But in my vision, as I'm staring at a blank wall and I'm feeling and seeing what's going on, I see my right arm come out in front of me and reach for something and I feel like I'm falling forward but Tony says to me she reached out and thought she was falling forward but she actually went backwards to her right that's how dizzy she was hmm. so that feeling of disorientation not actually knowing what the direction is so in the room do you actually put your hand out physically that she yeah, can I see you doing it yeah and okay. she confirmed in that moment, yes, Kelly, that's correct. I reached out for my kitchen counter in front of me, but I fell backward to the right. Oh, remarkable. That must have been quite a feeling for her to see you reach out and know that you fell backwards when it looks exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. So that might have been a tremendous start for her to build a lot of, um, how do you say that, trust in the process you're going through with Tony. Mm-hmm. And I think Tony has done such an exceptional job over the years because she comes about once a year or twice a year to check in with him. I think he's done such a remarkable job coming through for her that the trust is there. It's implicit oh. at this point, which so, makes my job that much easier. So did they have that trust in the marriage while they were both alive? Yes. Yes and no, because okay. she still she still trusted him even though he, he had his slip ups or he had his humanness to him. Okay. But yes, underlying. Absolutely. So while they're married, they have a decent enough relationship to have some trust. Then he crosses over and it grows more and more through this relationship with you as a medium. Yes, he was reliable. Okay. And then this reliability then comes through in this session to help her with her own stroke. Mm -hmm. I think all of that has to be pointed out. Thank you. Because, I appreciate that. Yeah, Kelly, it's important because some people think you go and you see a medium as a one-off. Mm -hmm. And that you're, I don't know, like the, this is supposed to be an experience you don't, you don't repeat. And what you're trying to say here is there's tremendous value to creating that as a relationship. That's a good point. Because I think if you're channeling someone who 
you know, you're the person's mad at them when they've crossed and they weren't a trustworthy or reliable person, they can give accurate information through a medium and the person might not understand why they still question the medium as a professional. Mm-hmm. Because the individual as a as a human mm-hmm. was not a reliable person. Right. And yet we stay skeptic of the profession instead. That's my entire point mm-hmm. of trying to break all this down for listeners. Okay. Okay. So now you're falling backwards slash she is fa- and what are we going to call her uh let's call her kim so she's falling backwards and then what happens kelly well again it's all simultaneous so what happened was she as she was falling backwards tony says to me she started falling and i was there to brace her so he as an energy was behind her and was describing that she lost footing as she was going backwards, was close, I believe, to leaning on a wall, she had said, and he lowered her to the ground. Now, this is where it gets, I'll say complicated, although I'm sure some people will argue it was complicated much before. He's lowering her to the ground so that this isn't technically a fall. The stroke itself was so fast that as she was falling, she barely touched the ground and picked herself back up. Wow. And he said, and I thought this was so funny and so sweet. He goes, well, that's Kim. She just gets on with things. She just picks herself back up. And it was such an endearing, sincere comment because he was talking about her personality consistently throughout life. That she had developed such a resilience in her personality that when something knocked her down, she picked herself back up and she kept moving. Oh, that's that's tremendous. Yes. And now she's fortunate that the stroke was so small that she could that quickly. Right. But he did say, I was there. I was with her. I was trying to lower her to the ground to hold her. But she picked herself back up and she didn't even need me. <laughs> and he laughed. I thought that was so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and she was laughing and she said, yep, that's true. And she did confirm that the stroke was that fast or as doctors would call it, so small, that she picked herself back up. It was technically a fall because she did make contact with the floor, but she picked herself back up and kept moving. Hmm. So she and you, Kim and you, both got your affirmation about the briefness of the stroke and the fact that she could recover that quickly. Yes. Although, were there some things she couldn't recover as quickly afterwards? Or was it... No. Not technically. So this is where I want to break this whole process up into kind of different pieces. So this goes right back to the beginning where I started getting dizzy. Okay, so I'm going to leave Tony out of it for a moment, just in terms of his presence. He was still describing all of this to me, though. He said, here's the dizziness. But what ended up happening was she had a pinched nerve over in her right shoulder. The nerve went to the spine so he's showing me the pathology of the stroke and I know nothing about them as a human I don't Mm -hmm. even know if this is a thing so he says the pinched nerve in the left shoulder went into the spine and triggered a nerve that went straight up into the base of her skull then from the base of the skull it wrapped around to the left temporal lobe went from the temporal lobe back to the base of the skull down the spine and over into the shoulder and it was done Kelly it's like geometry yeah and, 
and it was electric and like an x-ray for yeah. me but a colored yeah. x-ray yeah where I saw the blue and the changing of the colors as it hit the different trigger points in the yeah. body yeah so it triggered a stroke in the brain and this is where he said he, not only is this the path it went into the language center now remember that she had no more time than to feel the sensation of falling backwards barely touch the floor and pick herself back up but in that brief moment she was still aware of the fact that she lost the language center for half a second kim knew this yes okay she was aware that she could not formulate help she could not formulate words even though it was there so those are two different kinds of centers in the brain right where you Mm. lose the knowledge of what the word is and then sometimes you know what word you're looking for but you can't say it we all know that feeling and those sensations in the brain and when there's a disconnect i don't know anybody that wouldn't Mm -hmm. And then he said, but there was no damage. She lost it for such a short period of time that there was no damage. She speaks completely fine. There's no paralysis in the muscles. There's no paralysis even in the nerves. And I think that's remarkable on a human level for her to have no residual damage in the body that she just picked herself back up. She did check herself into the hospital to make sure everything was fine. And that's that's very responsible. But he just said, Here, here's where the stroke occurred. Here's where she felt it in those moments. And it was done. When you say he, this is still Tony. Yes. Now I have a question. Does she have all of that stuff that occurred in the brain confirmed at the hospital, Kelly? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And what Tony did was he described it to me in a way where he said it was such a fast stroke that he compared it to if someone turned a light off and right back on just one after the other so quickly that if you were sitting in a room that was with lights on that off on your brain wouldn't even register that the room went dark Hmm. does that make sense yeah and she just started laughing and I sat back and I thought okay she's either going to correct me or confirm me and she said Kelly I checked myself into the hospital after my stroke and her heart stopped for nine seconds while she was in the hospital oh my word And the doctors said to her, Miss, you had such a small stroke. That's how they refer to it. Not fast, but small. And when the heart stopped, the doctor laughed respectfully and said, it's almost like someone turned your body off and back on. Just the way Tony described the stroke. So he used the same words. Meaning he was in her room with the doctor at the hospital. Right. Isn't that a wonderful affirmation for Kim? Yeah. Use the same analogy. Yeah. And a wonderful affirmation for you, too. So Tony's working hard to give you his two girls here, you and Kim, what you need. Yes. And and I say that, Kelly, because it's not about what the public needs. It's not about what the listeners need to be able to believe something or change a belief in their own life. Mm-hmm. That's up to each individual as they listen to any experience that comes to them in their life. Yeah, to figure out if they're open. Yeah. This is just really for you and Kim. Mm-hmm. So now the second part of what I wanted to walk walk everyone through in this whole experience of synesthesia is that he's now taking me into her brain to hear her thoughts, which is separate from the synesthesia. So I've, I've had the stroke, and now he says, I'm going to walk you back through it, through the different parts of the stroke, so you can hear her individual thoughts, which I think is really cool because while the human brain wants to yell for help, there's another component of our thought process that's happening and again half a second long 
So she gave me permission and he showed me that as she was losing balance and she had her human thought of being scared, she also had her human thought of, I deserve to be alone because Tony was alone when he died. Oh. And she went into self-shame, self-blame of, I deserve to have no one around me because I couldn't be there for him to help him. Oh, dear. So she had the belief that she was alone as well. And there was Tony Mm -hmm. walking her through her own stroke, telling her that he had her in his arms. Mm -hmm. But that she was so goddamn resilient, he didn't even need to hold her. (laughs) And she was laughing at the irony of it all Mm -hmm. after the fact, of course. But she, she did have a good cry and she just said, yes, that's correct. I thought I deserved to be alone. None of us are alone for anything. No, but... He passed from a heart attack. No, and I, no I one get was what, around. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying about that, about the physical form of what happens with the human beings physically. My point is, is just that the spirit world and the people who love us are always around us. We are around each other. Well, and that was his point, was that he could not only describe physically what she was going through, but mm-hmm. he could hear what she was thinking as he was holding her. Mm-hmm. As she was in her self-hatred and survival mode, which I think is unreal. I think it's unfortunate and unreal that we're going through one of the most challenging experiences of a life for Kim. She may be thinking she's dying in a split second. Mm -hmm. She may be thinking that she's going to be paralyzed for the rest of her life or that she, her whole life is going to change in one split second. Light switch on, light switch off. What's it going to look like when it goes back on again? And... One of the things that she does is to beat herself up in the process. Yeah, with the thought of, I deserve. Yeah. And he just said, I that is not how I feel, and that is not how I saw it, and it's not how I remember my own experience. Right. So he had to bring her back into his own death years later, that she has grieved and moved forward. I won't say, I don't think we ever really move on, but she's moved forward from, mm-hmm. and he had to walk her back through that process to tell her that he was okay in his own death. And that while she had her own terrifying experience, they were the same in that they were both supported and loved. And that he knew even in that moment where he didn't survive, that she still loved him and that if she could have been there, she would have been. Boy, I hope people listen to that. Because this is the story of two people that actually did respect and care for each other and how important that played out in both lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And then I think of the couples, married or not married, whatever sex they are, where they actually don't love each other, where they actually don't want to be there for each other. Mm -hmm. And what that can look like and feel like for them. People should listen to that very carefully. So that stroke was 10 minutes of her hour-long session. Mm. To me, that's still fascinating. After so many years Mm. of doing this job, It still fascinates me that I can have a physically, emotionally, and mentally traumatic experience, pick myself back up, still give the messages. That human can sit there like an absolute trooper and get through it as well. And we can move on to other messages. Yeah. In an hour. Yeah. So I want to ask you something. At the end of that 10 minutes, do you need any time? Yes. And does she give that to you? Does Kim, I know her. So I mean, to the degree that she's your client, but I know her well enough from those events, how respectful she is. Mm -hmm. So 
unlike some other clients who don't give time, who think I'm paying for every minute, move it. Yeah. She sat understanding that with the synesthesia, you needed, I'm going to say a moment, and I want to point something out. You're talking about needing a moment, Kelly. You're 30 years old. You have synesthesia and all of these gifts, and that you're going to see her for another 50 minutes and then other clients and other jobs in a day. Mm -hmm. And I can clearly recall 10 years ago when I first started doing this, I couldn't see more than three clients in a week. Mm-hmm. Because of the synesthesia, I had to sleep for hours after and before sessions. And you're talking about where you're at and at 30 years old to be able to process all of that pain and all of those experiences and then continue right on. Again, extraordinary. Thank you. And I think it's doable because of you. I listened to how often you needed to sleep. But more importantly, I think I listened to you and engaged in the debriefing process. So for yourself, where you were literally learning as you went about what you were experiencing, I think sleep was more important for you. And through that process, I got the vocabulary. You taught me by debriefing, then you read and you debriefed again, even more correctly than the first time Mm -hmm. and you slept. But for me, it was the language that you built. Yeah, I can understand that. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel that I need as much sleep as you did because I didn't have to pick up all of the books that you did. Yeah, It was taught. I, I learned through your, your experiences. And, and if anyone's listening and thinking, well, what in God's name could she possibly have read? I read things like Carl Llewellyn. I read things on books about astral travel. This wasn't just books about spiritual awakenings. This wasn't about yoga poses. Well, it wasn't cliches. No. This was actual hard quantum physics textbooks about how to bilocate, how to be able to split atoms. I read things that were in those types of details. So someone's thinking, oh, well, I'm going to read about, you know, transcendental meditation, stuff like that. It's okay, but it doesn't get you to the meat. It doesn't get you to actually a toolkit. No, and I think for people who do go ahead and read all of it, the cliche and the science stuff, it's one thing to wrap your head around a concept. It's a completely other thing to have the experience, be calm in the moment, know what's going on or be able to label it based on what you've learned Mm -hmm. and then to feel safe to do it again. Mm -hmm. Because like we've said, they are mini traumas Mm -hmm. every single day, all day long for other people. Yeah. Okay. So then my last point, it was that I just love Kim. Hmm. I just love her so much. And when you said, does she give you the time? Does she pause? She literally sits there and says, sweetie, do you need a moment? Sweetie, do you need another moment? Mm -hmm. And I just think, thank God. Mm -hmm. Thank God for her. Do you want to get up and have a glass of water and we can just get back to it when you're done? Mm -hmm. Like there's just so much patience and kindness. And I think too, maybe on her part, just a, a little desire to just sit in silence with Tony. Mm-hmm. But regardless, there's so much respect for the three people involved in the experience, not just herself. Well, that's that's a wonderful point here is that you're saying that in a session, Kim has the ability to be respectful of her deceased husband. Yes. And the process that he's going through to give the messages to you mm-hmm. and then respect for you and the process that you're going through, which is different than Tony's 
to be able to fulfill what her needs are. Mm -hmm. And there aren't a lot of clients that understand or respect the spirit world to begin with. Mm. So she's a wonderful example in today's show of a person who actually has it at all those levels. Mm. So if that wasn't enough, you are in the same week are off now to see another client named Jordan. And Jordan is younger than Kim. And he has had some challenges in this current lifetime as Jordan with addictions to drugs. Is that correct? Yeah. And I didn't know that when I stepped into the session. This was our second session together. And the first session mainly had to do with heartache, actually, about his dad crossing. And his grandfather came through and the two of them together, three generations, same side of the family, were just discussing his heartache over his dad's suicide. Hmm. And that took up the hour. We talked a lot about that, how it's affected his relationships and how it's affected his his belief system and his love or relationship with his own father. Mm-hmm. Now, when he came in for his second session, I had no idea. He is a, I will say, a very well put together gentleman. He's very physically strong. He's got great like posture. He carries himself well. Um, he's got direct eye contact, like anything that you would think that really connects you to a person who's very present. So you're saying he didn't present as a junkie because some people listening are just going to think, well, why wouldn't you know that? Wasn't he skinny? Didn't he have crooked teeth? Didn't he have needles marks in his arms? And those are all stereotypes, right? I I realize that I'm just trying to present this for people who are listening so that they can understand what you were going through. Well, if you think about drugs, it's been a common understanding that marijuana is an average man or everyday man's drug. It's accessible and you don't have to have a huge income to be able to afford it. Cocaine is a status drug and there are many people using that who are in high power jobs, very wealthy, have families, but they don't present themselves as junkies either. Oh, interesting. So the stereotypes that some people might be playing in their heads are maybe correct, but there are many more aspects to drug using. Okay. So he sits down and I have a small recollection that it was about his dad last time. So when, when we went through this treatment together, we talked about relationships. We talked about some things that really, that really mattered to him and that were pressing in that moment. And then all of a sudden in the middle of the session, my eyelids started fluttering and my eyes went completely out of focus. They literally felt like they weren't working together. Like they were just doing two separate things. Each each eye? Each eyeball. Oh my God. Like what the hell is that? Yeah. And I kept blinking probably like, well, it was basically like rapid eye movement. Yeah. And blinking that fast as well. And I just said to him, Jordan, I'm really sorry. I said, I just need a moment here. I don't know what's going on. And the eye movement slowed down a bit. And then I started sniffing. And I could feel one nostril open at a time, which for myself is not uncommon because I am addicted to Otrovin. So I had to sit there and ask the guides, is this my own allergy with my sinuses? Or is this synesthesia? And they said, this is an addiction to snorting drugs. Oh, Lord. And I went, oh, shit. Okay. And then the rapid eye movement started and the um, kind of like the scanning, which is what the eyeballs do, right? But they're doing it okay. two separate 
So Kelly, you're saying your eyeballs are scanning from side to side, but no. your eyelids are closing up and down like blinking? My eyeballs are going in every direction possible. Oh. And my eyelids are blinking okay. over and over and over again. Wow. I felt completely out of control yeah. and I could not stop sniffing. And I said to Jordan, I'm really sorry. Please excuse me. I don't know what's happening right now. And then when I got the confirmation that this was snorting drugs, I turned to him, and I'm sure, as you know, sometimes it doesn't come out tactfully. I said to him, you're a drug user. And he just, he didn't, he wasn't weeping, but you could just see the tears flood down his face. And he just kind of took that big inhale of, yep, like kind of caught, but also relief of, okay, I don't have to say it. Because I think he knew what was happening to me, but didn't didn't want to offer, which I appreciate. Yeah. And I said, give me a moment. I'm getting more information. I'm just going to experience whatever's happening. And I said, you sniff, like you snorted the drugs. And he said, yes, that's correct. I said, they're going right to my frontal lobe, right to the center of like um, my brain. Like, and, like between your eyeballs? Yes. Center of the forehead, third eye, however you want to refer to that. It was just pulsing. It was hot. Then it was like stinging cold. It was so many different temperature sensations. Yeah. And again, my eyes won't slow down. And I said to him, Jordan, excuse me, this is going to be extremely unprofessional. And I just slouched right down into my seat. I, my legs went out straight like a board in front of me um, because my body went rigid, which happens when you overdose. Oh, but I would not know that. I've never experienced drugs. So I didn't know commonly what the side effects would be. So I had to check in with him and he said, yes, that's correct. And I said, wait a minute. Do you mean this is what happens when they go, what they go through every time they do any drugs? Or do you mean when they overdose it? Yes. When there's too much in the system that the body can't handle. And overdose doesn't necessarily have to mean death. Right. Right. Overdose can just be this was too much for the system to handle. And then symptoms ensue. I didn't know that. So... He was showing me what was going on with his brain because he couldn't function, couldn't think, couldn't talk. And I said, I really want to go fetal right now. What the fuck? Why would you take drugs that... Sorry, I'm rampaging. I'm losing my shit. I'm sorry. And everyone has a different reason for using. Oh, well, I I understand that. It was an Mm -hmm. impulse as to if this is what's going to happen to your body, why would you do this to your body? Because of what happens before the withdrawal symptoms. Right. So the high that you get before the withdrawal symptoms is right. what people use for. Which listeners need to know, you and I don't do drugs, never have. So this is why my response is, why the fuck would you do this? Because drugs give the same levels of high that we get journeying. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Well, but if you can journey and do it without drugs, why would... Because well, they don't rampage. know... Oh, but Kelly, it's also because they just wouldn't be educated to know that. Right. Shamans don't run around and say, we can teach you to get high. Well, some do, though. And we've talked about that before. Okay. Right? Because some people do journey and do these meditations under the influence. Oh, Anyway, this podcast is not about that. Right. This is about synesthesia. Okay. I literally had the overdose with him. Yeah. Oh, Kelly. And again, actually very much like Kim, they don't know each other whatsoever, but he was so patient. And you got to remember, he's a second time client. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know what I'm even going through other than to be able to say, I remember from consent, she said this might happen. Right. Kelly, can I ask you a question? Many, yeah. Do you go into a sweat? Yes. I'm in a sweat right now and Mm -hmm. I can't figure out if it's a hot flash. It's a cold sweat. 
Yeah. I went into a hot sweat when I was doing the the drugs, but cold sweat when I channel, and that's very normal for me. Okay. So my legs are freezing cold. Yep. Like really cold, but I'm actually sweating heavily in armpits. And overheated from the inside. Yeah. In the chest area. Yeah. So now I have the synesthesia as you're freaking describing it. And that's withdrawal. This is what withdrawal is like. Mm-hmm. And my, my muscles are tightening. Yeah. I can feel all my muscles. Okay, yeah. this is so not fun. No, it was horrific. It okay. was one of the worst experiences and coolest and best that yeah. I've ever had. And I was telling this to um, our good friend Val afterwards. I said, I got to tell you, of course, confidentiality upheld. I said, I got to tell you what I experienced today. And right. I said, I'm so excited. <laughs> After I described it, she goes, you use the word excited. I don't, you don't get it. And she said, is it because this means that the gifts are stronger? And I said, yes, that's the reason Mm -hmm. because I could sit there and then very similar to Kim, explain to Jordan what his thoughts were. Go on. What his thoughts were in it where I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not attractive enough. It was all of the lack he saw in himself where he went, for the high because of the lack of confidence okay there's my answer why would somebody do that to themselves you feel on top of the world and you all of a sudden have the confidence you never you didn't have or you're just out of your mind okay that and you don't matter don't don't matter when you're high okay so it can be either giving you what you need or escaping the need to to have it at all yes okay okay thank you Mm -hmm. That just walked me through something that I've never understood. Yeah. And so to have that traumatic experience happen sitting in my professional chair, yeah, has to say that because I hear those thoughts, I can have absolute empathy as to why he did it in the first place. Because like I've said, people have come in hungover and I literally just want to be like, get out. You did this on purpose and walked in currently hungover. He walked in sober wanting help to get information about what his soul was experiencing in that process of overdosing. Right. Kelly, did you get to the core of where he first heard that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not attractive enough? Does that come up in that session to help him? Yes. So it comes back where he starts to show me himself as a young child. Yeah. Who said it to him, where he then finally accepted it. Because sometimes we don't accept it the first time we hear it. Sometimes it takes a couple of times to hear it before it just clicks and it's in our DNA at that point. That's why abusers keep harping and keep repeating the Mm -hmm. abuse. And why, Kelly, it's so important when someone is verbally abusing you that you stop it. That you deny it. That you confront them. That you walk away. All of the things that we've gone through with a Beverly Angel and a Patricia Evans in past shows about verbal abuse... The hard work of life is that important because you can have your fun, but if you're not doing the hard work, you can slip down that slope quickly. So I don't even know how to categorize what the worst part was um, because when my muscles went rigid in this experience, I said to him, you're having a seizure or you had a seizure. Uh, and he said, yes, that's correct. And I could feel uh, like a choking sensation very high in my esophagus. I don't know how else to describe that. Like a muscle spasming? Yep. Okay. Um, except it wasn't so much a spasm as it was a close. 
Oh. And I said, you seizured and choked. Like, choked. And he said, that's correct. I should not be alive today. I was just going to say, if his throat closes, then he he had a very uh-huh. near-death experience. Yes. He said that it was confirmed that what... And he worded it in the way that what he did to his body, he yeah. shouldn't be alive today. Right. That w- Those were his choice of words. And I affirmed just in the sense that everything I was feeling and being told, because keep in mind, the guides have to tell me that I'm choking. They don't just choke me, right? Right. So there's a, there's a certain degree of being told what's happening as opposed to just feeling it where he, he and I could affirm both of each other's information. So he's affirming what you're physically going through in the treatment room right in front of him mm-hmm. that he's been through in the past. The guides are telling you what you're going through so that you can manage it in your own brain so that you don't just go into your own total panic mode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that actually, that experience probably was the closest that I've been to feeling definitely crazy or definitely like I'm going to die. Yeah. Because I, because the eyes were moving so fast without any kind of um, break in between, I thought I was going to seizure. Yeah. I for sure at one point thought he's going to have to pick me up off this floor or call 911 because it wasn't alleviating. And that's one of the worst things is that if someone's not willing to say, yes, that's my experience or yes, that was me or yes, that was the person you're channeling. It doesn't alleviate. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, it's it's so imperative that clients are truthful at all costs, including that they have to put their own shame or their own feeling of guilt aside to be able to say to you, you're having my experience mm-hmm. so that you can move on. Yes. Oh, I'm so grateful to him. And what a relationship of intimacy that is. Yeah. And... I mean, for myself, too, for this young gentleman to sit in front of me as, we'll say two humans, as soon as it was kind of quote unquote over, because there's so many residual side effects of fatigue for us, I wanted to cry Yeah. just from my own physical experience in yeah. that. Then on top of that empathy for another human yeah. sitting here who's worked through all of that. Yeah. I wanted to ball and I had to sit there and go, fuck, he's got 45 minutes left on his time. Yeah. I've got to, I've got to fill that 45 minutes still. Yeah. You know, or present other options, I suppose. And he, again, just said, take whatever time you need. Thank God. Yeah. I know I'm well, and I'm thanking him right now because you're my daughter. Oh, okay. So I'm saying I thank him that and any client that gives you time to deal with the synesthesia of what they've been through in their lives. Mm -hmm. It's key because you need those moments. You need those minutes. Sometimes it is literally only five to six moments before your next message is starting to come in. Yes. Because somebody might say, okay, yes, now I want to know what you get about my grandmother. Oh, and I want to know if you can do my husband's medical and they want you to move right into the next thing as fast as is possible, not checking in to say, do you have any needs to cope with that? So I'm just saying that's huge. I'm glad that you had that with both of Jordan and Kim. Mm -hmm. 
they were two and continue to be two fantastic clients. Well, and that's another thing I find, Kelly, is that when the clients become grateful about our gifts, then they are grateful for the process that we go through. They end up being the clients that return. Yeah. They end up being the ones that get the most out of all of their sessions that they book, as opposed to the people who just come in, want their information fast, and run back out the door to quickly tell their friends the most shocking thing that was said. I think too, going along with what you're saying, those clients, because they will wait the extra half second or give you the extra moment to take a second deep breath instead of just one, they learn to ask better questions. Mm -hmm. So when you say that they get better information or that it's more open, it's because they come back with a fuller understanding of what the hell just happened. Oh yeah. Well, I think because they have to go home and process yeah that of what you just did with all of these gifts Mm -hmm. and that's why I said it's it's truly connecting Mm -hmm. you're connecting to their experience how can a person just walk away and turn that off yeah really and truly you mean the human yeah yeah the client like that truly is a narcissist if they can just walk out the door turn it off and then just be able to walk out and tell people the highlights of the session would impress them the most or something mm-hmm. it's empathy mm-hmm. it's it's connecting that's why i'm saying these are two wonderful people because not all people do it but they in turn end up being the ones that come back and get the most out of everything that they possibly can and they're the ones that are really truly beginning to do their work truly beginning to awaken to make different choices and to change their lives yeah truly not the talkers well, Kelly, well done. Thank you. I mean, congratulations. I mean, that this is an absolutely amazing gift to have and to be able to turn it into something that can help other people and that you're professional about it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, as, as much as I can be. <laughs> well, you are, though, because as I said earlier, some people with synesthesia may take days, weeks, and months of not being able to process that. Yeah, okay. And may take days and weeks and months off of work. Mm-hmm to um, have a stress leaf and not understand what it is. And what I'm saying is, is that you're working very hard to figure out what it is, to be able to process it, help other people and continue and help as many as possible. Not just not just Kim and Jordan, but more and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. So once again, you are extraordinary. I appreciate that. Oh, Well, Kelly, thank you for today's show. It was a pleasure. And if anyone in the audience has any questions, anything, any comments that you'd like to make about the show, if you're looking for information about synesthesia or an appointment with Kelly, you are more than welcome to go to the website by sarlo.com. All of our information is on the site so that you can contact us. If you're looking for our email to contact us, it is info at by And otherwise, we hope that you all enjoy the rest of your Saturday.